welcome to another episode of The Practical CMO with your host, Mark Corona. Mark's passion is to help leadership teams accelerate revenues and profits using best growth practices and to improve the value and performance of marketing in their businesses. Hi, this is Mark Corona, partner and chief marketing officer with Chief Outsiders. Welcome to another show of The Practical CMO. Today's show is going to be the first in a two-part series about continuous improvement approaches to planning and operating your business. And this show and the next one are both going to focus on EOS Traction, which is a management system or maybe a discipline perhaps, which lays out a very prescriptive approach to aligning and prioritizing your business initiatives and priorities. You might have heard of EOS Traction. It's a fairly recent business system. It's used by many small and mid-sized businesses to streamline their management practices and align their organizations to approve their accountability and performance. And today we're going to talk about the implementation approach, not the actual planning part of EOS. That will pick up in the following show. Now, I think everybody would agree there's no silver bullet view of a managed approach that does everything for everybody. And I think after you listen to today's show, you'll probably agree that traction is not the silver bullet either, but it is a best practice and could possibly be a good upgrade for a lot of small and mid-sized businesses who don't have a very structured management discipline and, you know, need the, the hands-on process that traction brings, which will yield a 10-year plan, a three-year plan, you know, a marketing plan that's kind of part of your 10-year vision. Now, if you kind of think about it, you'd say, well, what smaller mid-sized business executive would not be interested in a system that does that? So, okay, we're going to try to understand how best to adopt traction. And then in a later show, we'll talk about how do you develop the content required by traction. So let's get the conversation started. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Ron Schifferl, an EOS integrator based in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Ron's a fractional executive working with small and mid-sized companies in operations, planning, and finance. He's got a couple of great case studies that he's going to share with us today when Ron was a fractional EOS integrator at Faribault Wooden Mill and then as an acting CEO at Midwest Asphalt Services. And Ron's got great experience as a fractional executive and a CEO, CFO, and EOS integrator role. And his expertise comes from being a senior executive, CFO, and a big four partner in a variety of industries. So, Ron, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for inviting me, and I look forward to the show. A little bit of background on how I get involved with companies is I usually start working with a company when they're going through some sort of change. I come in as an integrator in an EOS integrator role where I'm on the management team, which means I'm in the business. I'm not a consultant that's providing advice to management. I'm actually on the management team where I have management roles and responsibilities, including accountability for metrics, rocks, or which are quarterly goals on the EOS system. I have my own goals. And uh, think of the integrator as a uh, a person who helps keep the train running on time, helps prioritize where scarce resources are allocated, whether they're people resources or financial resources or others. And really the focus is on execution. My role is focused on execution across all aspects of the business, working with everybody on the senior management team in their roles yeah. to make sure they have the resources and are coordinated. You know, no, Ryan, there's some parallels between how you function as an EOS integrator 
and how chief outsiders, those of us who are CMOs and chief outsiders function as well, because we'll say, well, we do consulting, but we're not consultants, right? When we join a, um, a business to help them with marketing or growth planning or strategic planning, we really join the, the leadership team and we act like someone on that team and take on the appropriate uh, responsibility as well. And I think that's kind of where you and I sort of hit it off early on, right? Recognizing yes. that what we do, although it's different focus, it's the, the model is actually quite similar. You know, I think one of the things we should do early on, though, is clear up the difference between an EOS integrator and an EOS implementer, because I think some people might not be aware that those are two very different roles. Yes, they're very different roles and also very clearly defined in the EOS uh, traction process and structure. An integrator, which is my role, is inside the company on the management team facilitating everything day to day. I'm inside the company. Where an implementer is an EOS, call it a technical expert, who understands all of the tools, understands all the methodologies, and is really a consultant to the company to help them implement EOS. But their primary role is to facilitate quarterly one-day off-site sessions with the management team and a two-day off-site session with the management team where they facilitate those meetings. But they're not active in the day-to-day -day, uh, aspects of the business. They're really, mm -hmm. truly, as a consultant, focused on those quarterly meetings. Yeah. And a, and a lot of businesses that use an implementer often will bring in an integrator to actually get the work done. Isn't that sort of a fairly common scenario as well? Yes, the EOS structure requires an integrator inside the company to be defined. Sometimes it can be somebody that's already there. Sometimes it brings somebody else in. But as you operate in the EOS system over a long period of time, you will always need an inside integrator in the company that's identified and serving in that role. And an implementer, on the other hand, once the company has been working with EOS for a couple of years, often the need for an integrator role goes away. For example, at Faribault Woolen Mill, we, in the last quarter, we determined we didn't need the outside implementer any longer because we were far enough along on understanding the tools and the processes ourselves that we could function mm -hmm. without having that outside implementer. Yeah. And, you know, you've got some great takeaways from the Faribault example, right? I mean, I think as you explained it to me, early on, they sort of adopted the process in steroids and perhaps had too many rocks or accountabilities laid out. Isn't that, was that the case there? Yeah, that was the case. They had already started working with EOS before I started working with them. And she started as a fractional CFO and then took on the integrator role after about six months. But early on, before I got there even, they were loading up the rocks list, which is the quarterly goals, and sometimes would have over 30 goals in a quarter for a relatively small company, a small management team. And some of those were just too small. Some of them could never get to. So we, it took us a while to realize that we need to keep stripping it down to fewer and fewer to get to the point of saying, what are the most important things in the company over the next period of time, particularly company as a whole before you get into the individual rocks for individual people. So we went from being over 30 rocks down to 10, 11, 12, 15 at the most uh, per quarter, which really got us more focused on what the true priorities of the business are. Yeah. And then I'm sure you saw the progress that you were looking for when you had really narrowed the focus and the priorities down. 
Yeah, and in, in the case of Faribault, it really got us focused on internal operations first and market-facing second, because until we had internal operations more clearly defined and running efficiently and understood the structures and the cost and the capacities, it didn't matter as much what we were doing in the market and, until we had that internal uh, aspects figured out. And then once we got through that, now they're moving into the stage of the more the external focus, and that's where the highest priorities are going forward. You had great experience as an interim CEO at Midwest Asphalt. Different situation, though, and I think uh, kind of comparing and contrasting that to what you did at Faribault would be interesting because uh, it seems like the challenges were different, and but yet I, I think you applied similar process to kind of help sort that business out. Yeah, Midwest Asphalt, um, I joined them when they were just coming out of bankruptcy. I was uh, hired by the new owners, in effect. They're an asphalt paving business that about two and a half years ago came out of bankruptcy. And in the first 18 months, we were focused way too much on way too many things. We were doing low bid road paving work. We were doing higher value-added parking lot work. We were doing snow plowing and patching and running uh, materials, aggregate mines, et cetera. And we were just way too unfocused. And so nothing was focused on as the highest priority. Then we made mm-hmm. some changes in management and got it, everything streamlined and focused solely on the high value added paving business, which is yeah. really what we were the best at. Exited the other businesses okay. and our gross margin percentage by that focus and prioritization really got us into a position where our gross margin percentage has tripled in a six month period. Great. So I think some of the listeners, if they're not familiar with EOS, would probably benefit from hearing a little bit more about what the weekly cadence looks like. And uh, maybe you could kind of describe that. And then let's talk, just start to kind of open the door to some of the challenges with fully embracing EOS. The key in the weekly cadence is a weekly management team meeting called a level 10 meeting or an L10 meeting. And that meeting is structured around all the EOS implementation tools and tools to help execution in the business. That meeting's held with the senior team. It runs about 90 minutes generally. It's structured with time blocks. It starts with a check-in, where is everybody's head at, and then we go through, look at the weekly scorecard. And the key in that is just identify where there are issues. Identify issues to be discussed is the key thing in the first part of the meeting. Same thing, and then we go on and talk about the quarterly rocks. Everybody, whoever the leader assigned to each one of those, are they on or off track on accomplishing the quarterly rock? And then are there any to-dos from last week's meeting that people committed to the team that are going to get done, and did they get them done, and if not, why? Is that an issue? And then most of the meeting is spent on issues discussion. Where all the, I mentioned issues several times here. We just drop those down to the issues list. That's a cumulative list over the weeks, and then when we get to the issues block of time in each weekly meeting, immediately prioritize what's the most important issue we deal with today as a management team, and you do, then you do number two and number three. But that structure mm-hmm. really gets people focused on the priorities for the quarter, which are the rocks, but also the priorities for this week, which happen to pop up in the issues discussion. Okay. We've got about a minute before our mid-program break here, Ron. I want to talk about the challenges with content when we come back from break, but what are some of the challenges that you've seen in some of the clients that you've worked with just in embracing EOS? I think one of the biggest challenges is not to use EOS as the answer. EOS is a tool. It's too easy to take the EOS structure and tools and to say, we can just follow logically the steps through EOS and the answer will pop out and we'll have the answer. And there frequently isn't enough time spent on do we have enough information to be able to take 
the next step or to solve the issue that we're talking about. And so there's a push to solve the issue rather than to say, do we know enough? Do we need to gather more information? And are we expert enough to be able to make decisions today or do we have to go get more expertise at the table? So again, back to my initial comment, which is, and this is the biggest issue I have with EOS and implementing it, is that you end up with EOS as the answer rather than EOS as a tool to help you find the answer. Okay. Just to kind of do a quick summary of the first half program, we've kind of introduced EOS. We've talked a little bit about what it is, offered a couple of case studies where it's been very valuable and, uh, and really improving business performance. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back and talk about some of the other challenges, not really implementation related as much as sort of how does the process work and how do you actually get the content that you need to make it really valuable for your business. So, Ron, we're back from break, and we've talked about EOS attraction, and we've already alluded to the point that there's a natural integration between traction and other content development processes. The VTO, the Vision Traction Organizer, the 10-year planning part of traction, the three-year plan, the one-page marketing plan that sits inside the VTO, I mean, these are really critical content pieces to getting real value from EOS and traction for the long term, right? Not managing the short term, but really helping align your business for the long term. Let's talk about how you see some of the challenges playing out with completing, you know, those key planning documents. I think the the connection of the 10-year target and the three-year picture and the one-year plan in EOS, companies sometimes struggle with not spending enough time on the 10-year before going to the three-year and the one-year. EOS has a tendency in, in the process to quickly get people to the one-year, the three-month, and the issues of the day, and not enough time is spent on that 10-year picture. We've allocated a couple hours in the annual two-day offsite to update the 10-year picture, or maybe a little longer than that the first time through. But, you know, I've been in organizations where that 10-year picture sometimes can take a day or more to really get at what needs to be done and maybe should be maybe broken into a couple of different sessions. And sometimes EOS is trying to drive to beyond that quickly to get to the three-year and the one-year, and which mm-hmm. results in short-term goals projected out to the 10-year where the 10-year really should be aspirational. It should be dreaming of what's possible and with with fewer constraints. One company I worked yeah. with a long time ago, we had a planning process. We started with a 25-year picture to get today's constraints out of our minds. So the EOS doesn't spend enough time on that before it starts bringing it back to the three-year and the one-year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I see this too with businesses that I work with, right? When we use horizon growth planning to try to map out what their future revenue and profit streams could be, you know, over a, a one, two, three-year, a five-year horizon, they've typically not done it with any real structured process or discipline. And, you know, if you said, well, how are you going to get there, right? You say you want to double in size in five years. How are you going to get there? And it's like, well, we'll figure it out. And it's like, no, you know, we'll figure it out. It's not really the good answer, right? Having a methodology or process to actually do that work is pretty important. You know, there's a PE friend of mine who says, he talk, is talking about the future of any business. He goes, you know, you can't manage what you can't see clearly, right? And so, right. you know, in the concept context of the VTO, if it's just sort of fuzzy, you know, it's like, okay, well, we did it, right? Check, we did that work, right? We're through that part of traction. 
you probably have really done it a disservice. Yeah, I agree because it's easy in the traction toolkit to use the tools as check the box, we got it done, move on to the next, which on the plus side helps people who maybe haven't been on management teams and more structured organizations before learn how to manage. But on the minus side, it sometimes is, and it takes away the thinking. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and throughout EOS, that's one of the biggest things you got to be careful of is, is not assume that filling the form or filling out the document or having the meeting, like the weekly meeting structured right, that by executing on the structure or the form, you've done your job. Yeah. You've got to figure out where we're missing the knowledge, missing the content, missing the thinking, and where we need to spend more time on content and less on execution especially when you get yeah. to the three and 10 year pictures. Yeah. Let's talk about the, uh, the three year picture in particular. It seems to me a lot of businesses that do that just sort of extrapolate from where they are, right? They're like, okay, let's, let's take business as usual and let's see how that plays out over the next year or two or three. Um, have you encountered that? Isn't that, uh, is there some inherent sort of limitation in that approach too? There is, and that's where companies that say, I can't see 10 years, so I'm going to use three years, what they're saying is they only want to forecast, they don't want to have an aspirational goal. And so if they don't have something longer than three years, they almost automatically say, I'm going to take just next year's budget and apply spreadsheet factors to it to show what I can do in three years and start there. Where to me, the three-year picture really needs to be, what do I need to accomplish to be on track for my 10-year aspirational goal? So if my 10-year target is X, what do I have to have accomplished in three years to be on track for that? Then only after that's done, you go back to the next year's budget and say, what's the gap between where I'm going to end the next year to get to three years and where am I going to fall short? Because you're almost going to always fall short somewhere between that one year and three year. But use that as a gap analysis, which would identify needs that you have to start taking steps in year one that starts building the base for the future. It's not that different than the three horizons you were talking about, where you've got to have, you know, use it as a gap analysis, not as a forecast. Yeah, I think that's one of the strengths of horizon growth, right? If you've got new revenue and profit streams that you could tap into, some of them you can access relatively quickly, but some of them are going to take some research and development before you actually see that first dollar of new revenue flowing, right? And you can't right. wait until you absolutely need it to start that work. You know, you have to start some of that work today so that in a year or two or three, you've got material new revenues and hopefully profits flowing into your business. And you, you know, also so have got- to have multiple ideas because not everything's going to work. And that starts helping with right. that process, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's a great point, Ryan. I've got clients that I'll use Horizon uh, Growth Planning with, and I'll say, look, you know, uh, let's talk about your, what you think your opportunities are, right? And I've seen it go everywhere from, we don't, we don't know what they are. So, so they started with zero. And then one company I worked with had 37 ideas, right? So zero and 37 are not the right answer, right? You've got five or six or maybe eight that, that uh, look like they're viable over a, a one, three or five year horizon. You probably got a good working portfolio, but Zero is not going to get you anywhere, and 37, you couldn't act on either. So it's like finding that right number of quality opportunities. You know, we, Ron, you and I, we've talked about the, uh, the 10-year plan. we talked about the three-year picture. What we haven't talked about is my favorite part of traction, which is the one-page marketing plan, you know, which is part of the, 
part of the planning discipline. It looks pretty simple, right? When you actually sort of lay out what does it really ask for. But you know, you, you've identified some challenges with companies actually doing a, a quality job of working on that marketing plan. Yeah, I think there's two elements of that I'd like to highlight a little bit. One is is the marketing plan interaction is really, if you look at it, is more about a communications, in my view, it's a communications tool across the management team of do we all understand what our market is? And uh, it doesn't have a lot of content, but, you know, it talks about target market and what makes you unique compared to your competitors and how do you interface with your customers. And But it's more of a communication of what we are rather than a plan of how we're going to execute. The other aspect I'd like to point out on the marketing plan aspects of, of EOS is that a lot of this is developed around the senior management, you know, table, so to speak, where we're all there as, in theory, peers. We all have the same say. There's no hierarchy. But the problem you get when you get into marketing is that generally there's only one real marketing expert in the room, but everybody thinks they know marketing more than they do. So as a result, it's difficult to get the expertise to the front and really listen to the marketing expert because everybody's having their own ideas because they're, especially if it's a consumer product, they're experiencing the consumer interface on their own. And so they right. know what they want. And, and I catch myself doing it all the time. And I, I've, I've learned a little trick that I do when I'm talking to a marketing person. I kind of raised my hand and said, I'm giving you a sample of once. This is an absolute. Here's my own view as a consumer, as a sample of one. Take it or leave it because you're the expert. I'm just giving you one person's feedback, not the whole market feedback. So, right. But there is an issue around marketing more than the other functions I find on management teams where everybody thinks they should have an equal say in what the right answer is around marketing versus just provide some input and let the experts take it from there. Yeah. You know, I've looked at a number of uh, businesses, one page marketing plans that they built in traction. And I would tend to characterize them as what I call small M marketing, not big M marketing. They're really a list of tactics or programs without measurable results. And they're far from being strategic, right? And, I think what your point, of course, would totally support that, you know, marketing's gotten to be a very complex discipline, and, and it doesn't get easier. You have so many options in terms of how you can go to market. A lot of companies don't think beyond kind of their traditional approach, though, right? I mean, a lot of companies today still live off shows and conferences and sales collateral and a website, and they, you know, they think that's what marketing is, right? And it's far from uh, far from a strategic or an effective approach to go to market. So we're actually going to pick that topic up in the next program. We've got uh, a gentleman coming on who's uh, done a lot of work with companies to help them. He's got a process to actually do a, a strategic job of filling out their one-page marketing plan, and we'll pick that up in the next program. But Ron, you know, uh, we've talked about a number of best practices here. I think you've given the the audience a good view of what traction is and how what it can do for you. We know it, it can be a best practice, particularly if you've got a, a good implementer who or an integrator who could sort of help make it real. But do you have any other sort of final thoughts or any points that you want to reinforce for the audience today? I think there's a couple. One is that EOS traction is a great toolkit, a great structure for small and mid-sized companies to focus on execution. Just be very careful that it doesn't become the answer. It's a tool. It's not the answer. That doesn't mean you throw out pieces of it that don't work, but you got to think through 
Where do I need more deep content? Where do I need more outside information? Where do I need better expertise? And that's really a key in, on implementing. It's an execution toolkit. It's not a content or a strategy toolkit. The other thing I would say is focus company first and individual second when you're working on goals and rocks and things like that. It's easy to get into the what does each individual need to do before you start talking about what the company needs to do. Okay. So, Ron, you know, it would be great. I think people may want to get in touch with you on the back end of this program, um, talk a little bit more about what their needs are. What's the easiest way for somebody to get a hold of you? The easiest way is to call me, which is 612. 612- 309-6246, or they can email me at rshiferl, that's S-C-H-I-F-E-R-L, at shiferlonline.com. Great. Thanks for joining me today. I, I really thought that you've uh, helped me sort of live the, uh, the theme of the practical CMO, which is to give some good practical guidance, right? So hopefully for those organizations that might be considering EOS, this gives a, a very open, balanced picture of what it can do and what it doesn't do for you, right? So stay tuned for the next show. We'll talk a little bit more about how do you build the one-page marketing plan. But until then, cheers and stay healthy. Never miss an episode. Be sure to look for The Practical CMO in all your favorite podcast apps or on our website, thepracticalcmo.com.